Hey guys, before we get into this week's episode, just wanted to give you guys a quick note. When we recorded this, this was when Hurricane Dorian was in its infancy. It was looking to be a tropical storm that was just going to inconvenience us just a little bit, give us some power outages. So now it's this massive storm and we are just thinking of those in the Bahamas and those that will be affected by this storm. We are still not out of the cone of uncertainty yet. So if our episode is not released right on time on Tuesday, expect it the next day or so, but make sure you're subscribed so then you won't miss it no matter what. We are thinking of all those in the path of Hurricane Dorian right now and I hope you are as well and I hope you are safe wherever you are. And now to the episode. and welcome to the Moms and Murder Podcast, a true crime podcast featuring myself, Mandy, and my dear friend, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Mandy. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm really excited about this week's episode. I am as well. I think it's going to be a really good one for you guys. Mandy and I are preparing right now. When you're listening to this, we are going to be in a hurricane? Yeah, I believe so. Or, yeah, at the end of it, or possibly without power. I don't even know where we are going to be on Tuesday. I hope it will be okay. <laughs> Wherever we are, we're going to be ticked off. I can tell you that much. If by this time, the battery on our children's iPads will have been <laughs> dying. Yeah. They'll want our phones. <laughs> the air is going to be out. So when you listen to us laughing and giggling, uh, just remember us in happier times. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Not the current situation when you're listening to us. But yes, we we are persevering. We're doing this. Let's kick this episode off, Mandy. All right. So long before J-Lo, there was another rising Latina star who was performing to sold-out audiences, appearing in movies, and of course, bedazzling the heck out of outfits. You guessed it, or the title of this podcast may have given it away, but today we are discussing the life and death of the one and only Selena Quintanillas, or better known as just her first name, Selena. This story has actually been suggested to us several times. I've seen it come up a few times in our Facebook group. And every time I see it, I'm like, oh, yeah, we should do that. We should do that. And then I just always forget about it. But I'm super excited this week because Melissa's sister actually helped us with this episode and she did a really great job. So I am happy to bring her words to life for you guys this week. Hi, Megs. So Selena's tragic murder took place in Corpus Christi, Texas. And as usual, Melissa has Googled Corpus Christi for us. Corpus Christi is located off the coast of Southeast Texas, and as of the 2016 census, has a population of around 325,000 residents. Whether you believe they are real like me or fake like Mandy, Corpus Christi is the American city with the most species and population of birds. I'm never moving there. (laughs) (laughs) Or I guess government drones. Is that the other option, Mandy? I don't (laughs) know. I still can't figure out what you not bird people think is happening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Birds aren't real. Continue. (laughs) So after a meter reader in Corpus Christi was attacked by a dog, the city took it upon themselves to go completely, like to offer citywide free Wi-Fi. They thought this person has been attacked by a dog while doing this meter read. They decide, you know what, let's do this remotely, offer free Wi-Fi for the entire city. And so it was the first major city that actually did that. See, Mandy, now you want to go to Corpus Christi. I know. They might get me there for that. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Corpus Christi is home to the first Whataburger restaurant. Whataburger took off across the state of Texas, and everyone knows that Whataburger is better than In-N-Out. You can fight me on this. I haven't had In-N-Out, but I am very tired, so I'm happy to fight right now. And speaking of Whataburger restaurants, in my research, this was one of the craziest things I've ever read. I found out that back in 2017, the Houston Police Department decided to quit using Whataburger table tents. You know, those things you put on your table to tell them like, oh, number 17, they bring stuff there. They were using them in crime scenes as crime scene markers, not like exclusively, not all the time, but I guess something happened. There was a Whataburger restaurant across the street. They grabbed these markers to use at a crime scene. So, you know, things. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) So I guess they didn't want like Whataburger didn't want to be, you know, synonymous with crime. And obviously there's reasons why you don't want your stuff at a crime scene. So this made me think, what other things could we as a society offer up to use as crime scene markers when the police come up just a little bit short? And so here's my top five list. <laughs> things, we could, things we could use instead. Number five, any and all Ed Hardy shirts that are still in existence, those would make really good markers. Number four, every person that has asked me, is Pepsi okay when I ask for a Diet Coke? Sit out there (laughs) for those people around. Number three, all remaining CDs from Kevin Federline's single, Papa Zao. That one just makes me sad. (laughs) Number two, any and all live, laugh, love home decor. Please. There's plenty of that. (laughs) There's so much of it. Please can we use that. And number one, the number one thing that we should use instead of Whataburger table tents to mark crime scenes is bags of corn nuts. (laughs) (laughs) You are never going to let this go. (laughs) I can hear it when I close my eyes. I will never let this go. I will never eat corn nuts anywhere near you ever again. I promise. I win. I really win. (laughs) So, Mandy, I don't know about you, but I was first introduced to Selena when I was a teenager. In 1997, two years after the passing of Selena, I remember watching the hit movie Selena starring J-Lo. It was out on TV, and my sister and I watched that, Ricky Lake, I think Maury, Jerry Springer, even though I wasn't supposed to, and (laughs) would like do outside chores that we complained about. But Selena was always, always, always on. So do you remember when you became aware of Selena? How were you a teenager in 1997? Okay, so my sister wrote the year on that, and I'm going to go, wait, I was a teenager in 1997. You were. You were. You totally were. I was not. I turned 10 in 1997. The year that Selena died, 1995, as we will talk about in our in our episode this week, I was only seven. Okay, I was turning okay. I was turning eight that year, so um, I did not really listen to a lot of music on my own, and I was actually. But it's it's weird because I actually like lived in Texas, like when I was around that age. Oh yeah, 1995 was around the time that I probably moved away from Texas and moved to Alabama for a while. And I had a really good friend that lived there and her and her mom loved Selena. And so I actually do remember when she was killed because I was at my friend's house. And so that was my first time even hearing about her because my friend and her mom were watching the news and they were asking, you know, if I knew who she was, but 
I didn't. But I've always remembered that. I've, that's always stuck out in my mind that that specific friend really liked Selena and was really, her and her family were really impacted yeah. by her death. They were very sad about it. But that was really my first time. And then I don't think I actually uh, heard Selena's songs and like recognized it like as her until right. I was a little bit older. So I didn't really know a lot about this story. So I was, it was very interesting to me to read you know, over the research and the writing that your sister sent us. And then I watched a lot of different documentaries and tributes on that, you know, even people on YouTube did. And so I kind of got to know the story a little better. But yeah, this was really doing this episode was really my first kind of introduction into what even happened with her. Right. So Selena was born on April 16th, 1971 in Lake Jackson, Texas, which is about 50 miles outside of Houston. She was the youngest of three children born into a very musically inclined family. Her older brother, Abraham, or A.B., played the bass in the family band Selena and Los Dinos, which is translated to Selena and the Guys, and her sister Suzette played the drums. Her father, the original founder of Los Dinos, got into the restaurant business to support the family and continued to be involved in music via the lives of his children. Initially, Selena did not want to be a part of Los Dinos, but she relented and joined the band at the age of 10, performing in her father's restaurant for her first performance ever. Unfortunately, the restaurant was not successful, and the family lost the business and had to move back in with other family members. But the lack of stability did not stop this family. Selena and Los Dinos continued playing in various restaurants, bars, they played at weddings, and really anywhere that they could until they had gained really quite a committed group of local followers. Two years after joining Los Dinos, the band turned professional. In 1989, Jose Behar noticed Selena at the Tejano Music Awards. He recalled that when Selena performed, the whole place blew up from so much excitement and enthusiasm. She really brought a lot of just liveliness to her performances. Yeah. Behar signed Selena as a solo artist, but the rest of the band Los Dinos continued to play with her. Selena was able to write music that appealed to both Mexican and American audiences. Her music reflected her talent, but also how she was an ordinary girl experiencing ordinary things like crushes, daydreams, confrontations with her parents, all of those things that you would think a teenage girl would be going through. Did this at all remind you kind of of how Taylor Swift came up in the sense the same kind of songs? Remember, as she was writing songs early on in her career, it just kind of had a little bit of a parallel to me that that was why she was so relatable when she first started out and people really loved her because it's all these ordinary things that you go through at this age. Yeah. I just kind of saw parallels there. Didn't Taylor Swift get her big break or she was discovered on YouTube? I think she was just... I'm pretty sure that that might not be accurate, but I'm I'm pretty sure. Whoa, wait, wait. I think that's Justin Bieber. He wait, wasn't oh, wait. he with Usher? Usher found him on YouTube. I don't know. I'm so, sure somebody will write us and let us know. <laughs> um, but I think Taylor Swift was found on some platform where she just had been, you know, putting videos of herself singing, and then she was discovered that way. It might not have been YouTube. It could have been MySpace. For all I know, I really don't know. It, it does kind of remind you of that, of just kind of like a your average, you know. Well, Houston's not a small town, but you you know what I'm saying. It reminds you of your average kind of. family that has, you know, a talented person in it who just gets discovered and things kind of take off for them. So yeah, I could totally see the parallels there. And throughout the interviews you see with Selena and just this time as she's coming up, you can really see that there's really nothing pretentious about her. She just seemed like a very nice, normal person. And it was really that she had this pure, raw talent that caused her to rise into stardom. Tejano music in the early 90s 
was very male dominated. And part of Selena's success was that she was able to break into the music scene and reach people on both sides of the U.S. and Mexican border. Just to give you an idea, Teyano music can be described as a mix of polka, jazz, and country music all wrapped up and sang in Spanglish. So my sister put this example, and this is exactly what I think of whenever I hear it or what you kind of did as a kid when you have those electric keyboards and you push a few buttons. It's like several things going on at once, but it can sound really fun together. And she's basically like her one of her big songs, Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb. It just sounds like you hit a few of those buttons and they all sound together and really went well together, unlike anything I ever created as a child on my electric piano. (laughs) So the interesting thing about Selena's music, and I didn't realize this, was that she actually was not fluent in Spanish. Her dad had to write out the lyrics phonetically in Spanish in order for her to memorize her songs. So she was singing these songs and you would never know really that she, she spoke English. She did not speak Spanish. That is so incredible to me. And it reminds me, and Melissa, you probably remember this, but my son went through a very long phase where all he wanted to listen to was Spanish music. And it was kind of like these like boy bands. They were younger, you know, kids. And um, I think his favorite, I can't think of the name of it now, but he would go around and he, my son doesn't speak Spanish, but if you heard him sing these songs, you would think he grew up in a Spanish speaking country. Like he was so good at it and just picked it up. And so I just thought that it just reminded me of that. And I thought that was so incredible that she learned to sing in Spanish, you know, without having any Spanish knowledge or background. That was just so fun to me to hear that she was able to do that and learn it phonetically too. Yeah, for sure. If you watch these old Selena videos, especially the Bitty Bitty Bomb Bomb, they are very 90s. All of it has a very 90s feel. It's super fun. The music itself is super fun. If you aren't familiar with Selena, you have to listen to her music. It was just a lot of fun, pure 90s. And just like you can see the joy, even listening to her sing, you can hear the joy in her voice and the emotion in her voice. So Selena picked up quite a following. And like everyone else, the Jonathan Taylor Thomas stands stands is a word that I see on Twitter a lot and I should not be allowed to use but everyone had a fan club that was like a really big thing in the 90s but it's you know not like today where you're like oh I like moms and murder let's go in their group let's click a thing and answer three questions you have to like do a mail-in thing it's a legit thing to be a part of a fan club I I don't know if I was ever allowed to join a fan club things were a little restricted at my house but I know I wanted to you probably weren't allowed to join a JTT fan club. <laughs> oh, heck no, I wasn't. I, I guarantee you I wasn't allowed to. But this is when Yolanda Saldivar comes into the story, and she changes the family of Selena forever. And we'll talk more about Yolanda, but we're going to take a quick break to hear a word from this week's sponsors. I have to tell you guys about an amazing new service I found called FrameBridge. They make it super easy and affordable to frame your favorite things, from art prints and posters to the travel photos sitting on your phone. Here's how it works. Just go to framebridge.com and upload your photo, or they'll send you packaging to safely mail in your physical pieces. Preview your item online in any frame style. Choose your favorite or get free recommendations from their talented designers. The expert team at FrameBridge will custom frame your item and deliver your finished piece directly to your door, ready to hang. Instead of the hundreds you'd pay at a framing store, their prices start at $39 and all shipping is free. Plus, our listeners will get 15% off their first order at framebridge.com when they use our code BOMBS. 
My husband recently graduated and his degree is just sitting in a box collecting dust and waiting to be framed. Honestly, without FrameBridge, there is a good chance that our children will graduate college before I actually frame it myself. Luckily, FrameBridge makes it so easy, there's no excuse not to have it nicely framed and displayed proudly in our home. Get started today. Frame your photos or send the perfect gift for weddings, birthdays, and special events. Go to FrameBridge.com and use promo code MOMS and you'll save an additional 15% off your order. Just go to FrameBridge.com, promo code MOMS. FrameBridge.com, promo code MOMS. This week, my laundry pile was less of a pile and more of a Mount Everest situation. I had to wash both my third love bras, which left me with an old non-third love bra. And let me tell you, the ladies and I could tell a difference. And that's because third love is different. Third Love uses data points generated by millions of women who have taken their easy and fun fit finder quiz that's actually a lot of fun and takes just 60 seconds. The quiz also helps you identify your breast size and shape and find styles that fit your body. And they also use the information they've received to design bras with breast size and shape in mind for a perfect fit and premium feel. My third love bra is hands down the most comfortable bra I own. With straps that won't slip and tagless labels, it means absolutely no itching. Third Love bras are lightweight with super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape and are proprietary to Third Love. And with Third Love, you can skip the awkward trip to the store. You can find your fit with Third Love's online fit finder, then order and try the bra on at home. Plus, Third Love offers more than 70 sizes, including their signature half cup sizes. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone. So right now they are offering our listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash murder now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash murder for 15% off today. And now back to the episode. So before we took the break, we were talking about Yolanda Saldivar and how she came to be introduced into Selena's life and into her family's life. So Yolanda was born on September 19th, 1960 in San Antonio, Yolanda worked part-time as a registered nurse in order to support her three adopted children, one of which was actually her niece. Her past was a little bit checkered, and she had been accused of stealing on more than one occasion. In one instance, she was sued for $9,200 by one of her previous employers who claimed that she had stolen money, and the lawsuit was settled outside of court. On another occasion, she was brought to court for failing to repay a student loan of over $7,000. It was while working as a nurse that Yolanda became a fan of Tejano music. Yolanda first approached Shelly Lottis, another popular Tejano singer at the time, about starting a fan club. Shelly's family declined this offer. So Yolanda then attended a Selena concert and immediately began calling Selena's father to ask if she could start a fan club for Selena. As Melissa said, I guess this was like a big thing in the 90s. And she was determined to start a fan club for someone. She was going to do it. And yes, Mandy, it was a big deal in the 90s. (laughs) Stop (laughs) acting like you're a baby. (laughs) So as Melissa said before, in the 90s, there's lots of snail mail involved in starting a fan club, which means that this whole process is taking quite a bit of time. Yolanda already has kids and a nursing job, and I don't know how she found the time to do anything else. Honestly, I know I don't have time for things like starting a fan club on someone else's behalf, so This woman really had a lot on her plate at this point. That's such a nice offer because it is going to be so much work. So she is really, you know, putting it out there to Selena's family. Like, I really care about her music. It means a lot to me. And I'm willing to do this big thing. I mean, it's not just, you know, 
sending out emails or anything. This is going to take a lot of time. She's really dedicated to how much she loves Selena and Selena's music. So she was extremely persistent, and Selena's father eventually agreed to let Yolanda start this fan club. And Yolanda also quickly gained the trust of Selena and worked her way on into, really, her inner circle. And eventually, she started running Selena's boutiques and gained access to Selena's entire business empire. That is a big position to hold in an up-and-coming singer's life, to have all of that access to everything, really, that's important, you know, for their career. Yolanda even had a key to Selena's house. If you look back at pictures from around that time, you often will see Yolanda really just perched right next to Selena, like she is almost like she's protecting her. In the documentary, Selena, Fatal Encounter, it was mentioned more than once that Yolanda was extremely possessive of Selena to the point of really obsession. She saw herself as the gatekeeper to Selena and got extremely jealous when anyone else tried to get close. Martin Gomez, who was Selena's fashion designer, recalled going to Yolanda's apartment and the walls being covered with photos of Selena. Yolanda was actually quite a bit of a loner, and she had very few friends and family around. She arranged her entire life around Selena. Many of the singer's friends warned Selena about Yolanda's odd behavior, but Selena was a very trusting individual, and she didn't heed the warning signs. One very important person we haven't mentioned yet that was in Selena's life is that of her husband, Chris Perez. Selena had a good girl vibe, and she did her best to be a really good role model to younger girls. Chris was actually the lead guitarist for Selena and Los Dinos, and he had more of a rock and roll vibe. Selena's father, Abraham, didn't really like the idea of Chris and Selena being in a relationship because he thought that Chris would taint Selena's image. And now she's just coming up. She's so young, and this is all really starting, so it is kind of a you know, this might not be good for your career almost, you know, if, if people think you're in this relationship and he's this bad guy and you're this, you know, innocent thing. Again, this is where I get like these Taylor Swift vibes in that, you know, like how she was coming up as a teenager and stuff. So he actually forbade the couple to be together. And when he found out that Selena and Chris were romantically involved, he went as far as kicking Chris out of the band. But as we all know, there's not much that can keep a young couple in love apart. Selena and Chris ended up eloping in April of 1992 and planned to keep their marriage under wraps until the media announced the elopement over the radio just a few hours later. That's a bummer. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And this is pre like all the like PerezHilton.com and stuff, TMZ. So for this to have gotten out, this had to be like a game of telephone to be able to tell all these people, you know, to actually get this out. So in time, Selena's father eventually became accepting of their relationship, and Chris rejoined the band and was eventually accepted into Selena's family. At this point, Selena was really juggling quite a bit, as well as delegating a lot to her friend and confidant, Yolanda. In 1994, things on the business side started slipping through the cracks. People kind of started complaining about Yolanda, and they were claiming that they had sent in money to the fan club and they had never received anything in return. Employees started to complain about Yolanda's behavior, and Abraham, who was Selena's father, accused Yolanda of embezzling large sums of money and really in upwards of $30,000. Oh, wow. So you might be questioning how somebody could embezzle $30,000, and it was really because Selena was obsessed with collecting these designer eggs. They were called Fabergé eggs, and that sounds very fancy, and it is something I have never heard of before. Um, 
Have you heard of these, Melissa? I've heard of them this week. Yes, I have. So <laughs> they're, they're these really beautiful rings, and I feel like they were more popular several years ago. Okay, so the ring is inside the egg. Yeah, but it's this really expensive, beautiful thing that's like a sign of wealth and stuff like that. So yes, the ring is inside of the egg. Mandy, you are correct, and I should have thought what an egg was, but that's why you are the chicken expert. Right. Well, this reminds me of like this whole thing of having like a ring inside of an egg. I think these were obviously more expensive. These were like probably legitimate pieces of jewelry. But this whenever I just was picturing it, I was thinking of like, you know how now you can go on Facebook and order like a candle and when you melt it down, like they say like you might have a ring that's worth like $10,000 inside your candle. But it's normally worth like eight. (laughs) (laughs) Like eight dollars. Yeah. Yeah. So I I don't think that's what it's like. And, you know, I don't think that's what it equates to. But I that's what it made me think of. Yeah. They were really designed in the mid 1880s as holiday gifts in the Russian Empire. And they're they were commissioned to be designed by Russian czars as gifts for their wives. So there are these really nice special things that not everyone has. You're either filthy rich and have them, you've stolen it, or you're married to a Russian czar. That's about the only <laughs> way you get it. So it's a really cool thing to have. And Selena really, really loved them. Yeah. So the eggs represented power and wealth, and they became kind of these treasures to hunt. So Yolanda hatched a plan, and she asked all of the employees of Selena's boutiques to pull their money together to purchase Selena a 14-karat gold diamond ring topped with a white gold egg. Yolanda then presented the ring to Selena as a gift from herself, all the while using Selena's credit card to make this purchase. Yikes. It reminds me like um, when my kids are like, mom, I want to get you a birthday present. But then I'm like, well, I have to buy it for myself. So that's not going to really work for me. Yeah. It's kind of like that. Except Selena didn't know. Yeah, exactly. Except Yolanda did not get permission. Selena apparently loved the ring, though. And if you look back at photos of her, she was wearing this ring all the time. It was in several photos that were taken of her at this time. The family became convinced that Yolanda was stealing money from Selena and from her businesses. So they discussed this with Selena, but Selena was kind of in denial about this. This is her friend. This is somebody that she trusted and, 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 you know, she's known, you know, has has let into her inner circle and she did not want to believe that Yolanda would be causing all of this damage. Selena's father ended up calling a meeting with Yolanda and Selena to confront this issue. And he showed the evidence that he had against Yolanda and asked her to prove that she hadn't been taking the money. Abraham stated that they were not going to prosecute her, that they would most likely fire her and that they could just part ways, but they weren't going to press charges. So Yolanda didn't deny it or say anything really. And Abraham said at points in this meeting that she was extremely emotional and other times she was just as cool as ice. Abraham ended up firing Yolanda and removing her from all of the bank accounts. The next day, Yolanda went to a gun shop in San Antonio to purchase a gun where she lied about the purpose behind the gun and said that she needed it because she was a nurse and patients' relatives were harassing her and threatening her life. If there was something we know about Yolanda, it was that she was persistent. And so Yolanda ended up calling her former boss and friend, Selena, and setting up a separate meeting. On March 30th, 1995, Selena and her husband, Chris, met with Yolanda at a motel to recover some missing financial documents. When the couple arrived home, Selena realized that Yolanda, in fact, did not give her the correct documents. But when she confronted Yolanda about it, Yolanda tried to convince Selena to return to the motel by herself to get 
the correct documents. At this point, it was pretty late in the night, and Chris encouraged Selena to just wait until the morning. But Selena was upset, you know, and she wanted to go, and her trust is quickly fading in Yolanda at this point. She just wants to get all this over and done with and put it all behind her. So she decided she was going to go back to the motel that night with the intention of hopefully getting the documents that she needed. And also, she was just going to officially cut ties with Yolanda right then and there. Yolanda supposedly, you know, waiting with these documents was really waiting for Selena with this gun that she had purchased instead. And we are going to get into what happened when Selena arrived back at the motel after we returned from one last break for a word from this week's sponsors. Life comes at you fast, but when you're looking for counseling, minutes can feel like hours and hours can feel like days. You want help quickly, but how will you fit it into your schedule? Our problems rarely arise during normal work hours, so why is counseling mainly available during normal business hours? BetterHelp Online Counseling is there for you. Is there something that interferes with your happiness or maybe something that's preventing you from achieving your goals? BetterHelp has you covered and at times that are convenient for you. BetterHelp offers licensed professional counselors who are specialized in issues such as depression, anxiety, relationships, trauma, grief, and more. You can connect with your professional counselor in a safe and private online environment. You can schedule secure video or phone sessions, plus chat and text with your therapist without ever having to leave the house. BetterHelp is secure, convenient, and professional. If you ever find you want to change counselors, you can do so at any time with no additional charge. Financial aid is also available to those who qualify. Best of all, it is a truly affordable option, and Moms and Murder listeners get 10% off your first month. Simply fill out a questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counselor you'll love within 24 hours. Go to betterhelp.com slash moms and use discount code moms for 10% off your first month. Again, for 10% off your first month, go to betterhelp.com slash moms and use discount code moms. Warm alcohol on a warm day goes together like, well, warm alcohol on a warm day. It doesn't go together at all, and it's actually disgusting. Luckily, Dylan, the founder of Brewmate, felt the same way and made a stylish, insulated drinkware that's designed to keep your beverages ice cold all day long. I really love the variety that Brewmate has to offer, from the wine insulator to the uncorked tumbler for the wine lovers to the champagne flute and my personal favorite, the three-in-one hopsolator. I took my hopsolator that I got in a beautiful rose gold for a test drive a few weeks ago. I used mine to keep a strawberry daiquiri chilled while I was laying out in the Florida sun. I kept looking for my daiquiri to be melting, like the Wicked Witch of the West, but the Hopsolator is the real deal and kept it frozen the entire time I was outside. I'm not saying it's magic, but I'm not sure I can say it's not either. I'm more of a wine girl, so I got the wine insulator and two uncorked wine tumblers, and they are getting a ton of use this summer. Whether I'm headed to the beach or just laying by the pool, it's so nice to have somewhere to keep my wine so that it stays chilled and doesn't take up a ton of room in the cooler. Plus, they're pretty to look at in the beautiful glitter aqua color. I now have my eye on a beautiful Brewmate glitter flask, but who am I really kidding? I have my eyes on everything they sell. Don't settle for warm alcohol. Chill out with your favorite drinks all day long with Brewmate. Visit brewmate.com and add code MOMS to get 15% off your order. That's 15% off your first order when you go to brumate.com and add code MOMS. And now back to the episode. Before the break, we left off with Yolanda being at this hotel, waiting for Selena to return by herself and knowing that Yolanda has a gun in the the motel room. So when Selena arrives at the hotel, Yolanda starts telling Selena that on her last trip to Mexico, she had actually been raped and assaulted with a bat. 
Hearing this news, Selena accompanies Yolanda to the hospital, where Yolanda claims she is wearing the same clothes that she had been attacked in. The ER nurse stated in the documentary we were talking about before, Selena, Fatal Encounter, that the clothes Yolanda was wearing appeared to have been cut with scissors and not ripped like Yolanda claimed her attacker had done. It seems like Yolanda was actually trying to gain sympathy from Selena, but at this point, Selena's patience has really run out. Selena asked the ER nurse if she believed Yolanda had actually been assaulted, but of course the nurse could not legally answer that question. After the ER visit, Selena and Yolanda returned to the motel. Selena was just finished at this point. She just wants to get this paperwork and leave and cut all ties with her former business partner and friend. At some point, Yolanda takes out a gun and with a single shot, tragically took the life of a beautiful soul. After being shot, Selena made it out of Yolanda's room and into the lobby of the hotel and was able to identify Yolanda to the front desk saying, quote, it was the woman in 158. The ambulance arrived moments later to find Selena unconscious and later pronounced dead. And this was on March 31st, 1995. So we talked a little bit about how Yolanda had given Selena this very fancy egg ring. And it's said that on the way to the hospital, Selena's fist opened up and the ring fell out. So her father, Abraham, actually believes that Selena tried to return this ring to Yolanda as kind of a symbol that their friendship and their relationship was over, and that that could have been one of the reasons why Yolanda got so upset and shot her. Yolanda claimed that her real intent with purchasing the gun was to use it on herself, and that as she was showing Selena the gun, it accidentally went off. But according to the police, this particular gun required more than 11 pounds of pressure to depress the trigger. So this is not something that you would just do by mistake. And even if this were the case and the gun had just gone off as Yolanda had claimed, Yolanda was a registered nurse and you would think that her first instinct would be to help Selena or call help for her. But instead, Yolanda tried to flee the scene in her pickup truck with the gun wrapped up in a towel. A police officer spotted Yolanda and ordered her to get out of the truck. And what ensued was a nine and a half hour standoff with Yolanda threatening to shoot herself. Wow. Yolanda was arrested, but she pled not guilty and her bond was set at $500,000. Of course, fans of Selena were distraught and death threats started pouring into the jail against Yolanda. Some gang members were even reported to have tried to raise enough money to get Yolanda out on bail so that they could kill her when she was released. No cameras were allowed in the courtroom, but we do know that one of the most damaging pieces of evidence in the trial was the signed confession from Yolanda just hours after the slaying. She has since changed her story several times, but following Selena's murder, in her own handwriting, she had written out what had happened that day in room 158. During the deliberation, between the 12 jurors comprised of six men and six women, the prosecutors, defense team, and even Yolanda and her family all signed autographs. That blew my mind that yeah. Yolanda is there. Yolanda, you were the president of the fan club. You know, what? Right. Yeah. After just two hours of deliberation, the jury found Yolanda guilty of first-degree murder with a maximum of life in prison. She is actually up for parole in 2025 and continues to proclaim her innocence from her Mountain View unit in Gatesville, Texas. When Selena died, her English album had not been released. She actually only had four songs that were officially completed. Her family decided to release the album, and it went double platinum and hit top of the charts. This album contains the hits I Could Fall in Love and I'm Dreaming, which are 
two of my favorite 90s songs. Melissa and I talked right? about this before we started recording. Both of us like to listen to 90s music. It's like one of the only music things that we really agree on, it's I think. Stuff. But I love those two songs. They're just very like classic, like 90s ballads. And her voice is so beautiful. And I just love, I love both of those songs. I get chills even thinking about those songs. They're just, they are, right, like the quintessential 90s songs. And just, and I had no idea listening to those songs that those songs had been released after she had been murdered. Yeah. If Selena were alive today, she would be 48 years old. Since the death of Selena, Chris has remarried and has two children, and unfortunately, he has been divorced. However, he remains in touch with Selena's family and continues to pursue music himself. Selena's parents spend their time protecting their daughter's legacy. They even founded the Selena Foundation, which serves to help kids in crisis. And I really think this is something that Selena would be super proud of and would have wanted because that was kind of her thing. Like, I had watched an interview with her, and they had asked her, like, when you're gone, how do you want to be remembered and what right. do you want to be remembered for? And she, you know, she said, not really just my music. I want to be remembered as being a good person, a good role model, somebody who tried to help others. And so I think for her parents to kind of start this in her honor and in her name, I feel like she's just would be looking down and being so proud of her yeah. family for doing that, you know, and that's something that she would have really loved. Selena's brother, A.B., went on to start his own group called Cumbia Kings, and her sister, Suzette, manages Selena's museum in Corpus Christi, as well as the family's music production company. There's actually a Netflix production in the works right now, and it's going to be called Selena, the series, and it is set to play out over two seasons and is supposed to begin production in Mexico just next month. So I will be really excited to see when that comes out and to make sure I watch that. Yeah, for sure. So that is the story of what happened to Selena. I learned a lot about this case just through doing this episode, and I'm so glad that we did it. I know a lot of people have suggested it to us, and I don't think it's a story that people have necessarily forgotten, but I think sometimes people, especially that are my age, might not have known it. So, Okay, stop with the age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. But hopefully you guys enjoyed learning about this story. It is a really, really sad story. She really was a beautiful person. I saw a lot of videos and interviews with her and watched her perform in lots of different videos. And it really is just very sad that she's not here still making music for us to this day. So if you guys know or had known about this story, or maybe if you didn't, we want to hear what you guys think or what your memories of Selena were back in your childhood or teen years. <laughs> or they could be adults, you. Mandy. You just don't know. <laughs> you know Stop age you discriminating everyone. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, but yeah, you guys can join our Facebook group if you're not already in there. Our Facebook group is called Mums the Word. We have a lot of this off-topic type of discussion. And we would love to hear everybody's stories about you know their experience with listening to Selena or how she impacted your life if she did. So do that. So join the group or post on our social medias. We want to hear what you guys have to say. Melissa. Yes, ma'am. I think we are ready. Yes. So do you want to do the hero first or last thing before we go the official? Yes, I'm so excited to talk about the hero. Okay. So if you aren't familiar, our last thing before we go the first of the month, which if we can remember this, we are doing we're announcing our hero winner and we are going to give any of our sales from our merch. We are giving those proceeds to the hero, the winner of the hero segment. Winner sounds weird, but yeah, that's basically what it is. So we're going to have to just pull names out of a hat, but this one really struck me. And so I apologize that I pulled this one and I'm going to have to just pull from now on, like we're going to have to make it random, but this one is just perfect. Okay, here we go. This is from Betsy H. 
I have a nomination for your heroes segment. I would like to nominate my ex-husband's new wife. Oh, wow. Right? So when my husband left me in 2014, I never imagined his new wife would become my hero. But five years later, that's what I'm calling Frances. In the last five years, as we've worked to raise our children together, she has been an amazing bonus mom to my girls. While I wouldn't wish a divorce on anyone, I would love for every divorce to have the co-parenting situation I have. We attend parent-teacher conferences as two sets of parents for our kids, four adults who can get along with each other and work together for the best interests of our children. Holidays are a shared time for the kids, and none of this would be possible without the openness of Frances. Frances was there for my girls and me when my mom died. When my husband was hospitalized, she was right there with me, and when my ex-husband needed emergency surgery, we sat in the waiting room together. She's my hero, not the evil stepmother, but the bonus mom and best friend our family needed after we fell apart. Is that not the best ever? Yeah, I love that so much. And you don't really hear stories like that often. I know they do happen. I know people do have awesome co-parenting situations, but I just feel like you don't hear about it as much. So I absolutely love that. I think that is so sweet and such an awesome story. It is. I, I think it's perfect. And that's exactly what we're looking for in the hero thing. Some of them will be like actual, you know, firefighters and stuff like that. But then there are every everyday heroes, people like this, who, man, this family is so much stronger because they all work together. I love it. So Betsy, we'll reach out to you and get over a gift card to Francis, and we will go from there. Thank you so much for sharing that. Thank you, everyone, for sharing it, and we'll keep pulling stuff from there. So if you haven't emailed us yet and you have a hero nomination, email us at lastthingbeforewego at gmail.com and put hero in the subject area so we know that's what it's for okay and so now we have our last thing last thing before we go and we have two questions from karen k in our facebook group and the first one is mandy where do you mind not waiting like what's a place you don't mind waiting at oh where do i not mind waiting yes are my kids with me waiting you know what? This is your world. This is your scenario. You you are by yourself. If I'm by myself waiting, then I will just wait all day right? long. <laughs> <laughs> Do not care where it is. I don't mind standing in line waiting to get like food that I'm excited about. I mean, sometimes <laughs> if I'm hungry, I'm like, let's hurry this up. But like, I will happily stand in line and get what I want to eat. But that's really it. I don't like standing in line. You know that about me. I complain all the oh, time about yeah. having to stand in lines. I do not like it at all. I will stand in 4,500 lines. I will let people cut in front of me. There's just no end to like, I just, I don't care. For some reason, I don't care. It's like the one thing that doesn't affect me. I don't know. What about with your kids? Where do you not want to, where do you not mind waiting? Is there a place? Does such a place exist? No. <laughs> right? Not unless they have like entertainment of some sort. <laughs> not unless it's a place. <laughs> Not unless the line <laughs> provides entertainment. We need like a mariachi band. We need food. Yeah. We need snacks. We need everything. Yeah. No, <laughs> I totally agree. All right. So the other one is name something you are really bad at. Melissa, what are you really bad at? Okay. Where should we start? I am <laughs> really bad at, well, I'm bad at I'm bad at silly things, like more pers personality things, like not sticking up for myself, that kind of thing. But I'm bad at – I am bad at speaking up. I do think that is a thing I'm really terrible at. I would rather – I told Mandy this story today. I had to use a whistle, another person's whistle, for an activity that I was at. And I would rather die 
then say, I won't use that after you, even though I also hate germs. So it doesn't make a lot of sense. But like, I realize my sense of like hurting somebody's feelings in that sense, I just can't say no. My natural response to everything anyone says to me, and you know this about me, Mandy, I will always just say yes. And then like, I can't backpedal because now I've said yes. So I hate that about myself. Was that was that the question? Name something I'm bad at? Yeah. That's, I'm bad at that. Yeah. yeah, I'm terrible at that. What else am I terrible at? I'm terrible at doing my nails. I can't do my nails. It's just pointless to do my nails. That It's like one of my hands just, it looks like a kid has done it. And so anytime when my daughter was younger, if I did paint my nails, I'm like, oh, my daughter helped me, even though that yeah. was never the case. <laughs> <laughs> now she can speak up for herself and she's like, okay, you're a liar. What, what do you have that you are really bad at, Mandy? I am really bad at managing and saving money. I have never really learned how to do a good job at that. And I'm one of those people that like is always surprised by like the <laughs> amount that's in their bank account because I like I will check I I check it often, but then I just like swipe my card willy nilly and I'm like, oh no, no, I know how much is in there. Like I'm I'm fine. Like I know I'm fine. And then I'll go a few days later and check it and I'm like Maybe I shouldn't have swiped it like that many times. What <laughs> happened? You know, I know. <laughs> and then I'm all surprised. I'm like, how, where did all my money go? I don't know. But you would think that at this point in life, I would have figured out a better system. And I am trying to get better about it. And I have to like intentionally, like when money first comes in, when we get paid, when me, my husband gets paid, I have to like immediately go in. If I want to save money, like I have to do it right away. I can't just be like, right. oh, I'll get, I'll get to it and I'll, you know, put money to the side, you know, when I can, I'll go do it. I have to do it right away. Like as soon as payday hits, because otherwise we wouldn't have any savings and I would never save any money because I really am that bad at it. And I am great at spending money. I just, I do a lot of small purchases, like little things that just end up adding up. And so then when I go check my bank statement, I'm like, how many times did I go and swipe my card for like $3.50 at the gas station for like something stupid, you know, yeah. and it just really adds up. So that's what I'm really bad at. I'm really bad at keeping track of my finances and managing my own money. I get it. I totally get that for sure. I'm, I'm very anxious too. So then I'm checking my account all the time. Like that's kind of like how I cope for some weird reason, especially if I know a lot of money is coming out, like I need to see it come out. And so I'm just waiting like for my mortgage to come out. I'm just like every, you know, every few minutes because it takes like two days. I'm like, All right, I need that gone. I need that gone. I need that gone. Because like in my brain, yeah. I'm like, that money's still there. I really need it gone or I'm going to do something crazy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I get that. Yeah. I'm terrible at so many things that it really would be a boring list, but basically find a thing. I'm bad at it. I don't have any natural like human <laughs> talents. So it works. You know what else me. I'm bad at? What? <laughs> Saying no to new pets. <laughs> You're terrible at that. But you'll even tell me and I try to help you say no. I'm like, you can't do this, Mandy. And the next thing you know, I just get a picture of whatever animal it was. I'm like, I <laughs> You're bad at it and you don't care. That's the problem. You're just... <laughs> It's a double double doozy there. So I feel yeah. like it also goes along with like being bad with managing my money because Maybe. I'm like, I need more mouths to feed. Why not? <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. So we will be back next week, but we are going to be off on September 17th. We have a week off and then we'll be back to our regular scheduled prompt. What am I trying to say? Regularly, Regularly scheduled, scheduled programming. programming. Yes, thank you. <laughs> I knew some letters were not on there. All right, have a great week, guys. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to the Moms and Murder podcast. Make sure to check back with us next week for a new episode. 
You can also find us at momsandmurder.com where you can connect with us via social media. Please make sure you subscribe and give us five stars because giving us four stars would be a crime. Thanks so much.